In May 2020, European Union medical device regulations that were many years in the making take effect. Included in those regulations are certain requirements related to the cybersecurity of medical devices. Among other things, the regulations require that medical device makers develop and manufacture their products in accordance to updated principles of risk management, including information security, as well as to set out minimum requirements concerning IT security measures, including protection against unauthorized access. To help medical device manufacturers comply with the new cybersecurity requirements, the European Commission's Medical Device Coordination Group recently issued new guidance. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorneys Kim Roberts in the UK and Adam Solander in the US. Both are healthcare regulatory attorneys at law firm King & Spaulding. Kim and Adam will be discussing how the EU medical device cybersecurity regulations compare with what's expected of manufacturers by the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S., So for starters, Kim, very briefly describe what the EU is requiring of medical device makers in terms of the cybersecurity of those products. What's new? Sure, Marianne. So the new guidelines, which the EC published in January this year, were produced with the intention that they would provide manufacturers with guidance on how to fill all relevant requirements with regard to cybersecurity. And that last bit was a quote. And they cover a wide range of cybersecurity aspects of both pre-market and post-market stages of production. Essentially, at the core of the guidelines is the requirement on manufacturers to incorporate updated practices as they design, develop and upgrade products across their life cycle. There's a requirement to take into account risk management principles, including in relation to information security, verification and validation. And they have to use state-of-the-art information to make decisions on managing cybersecurity risks. So, Adam, in the U.S., the FDA in 2014 issued cybersecurity guidance for the pre-market of medical devices. And then in October 2018, the FDA issued draft cybersecurity guidance updating that 2014 guidance. However, we're still awaiting the final updated guidance to be issued by the FDA. Based on what's currently expected by the FDA in terms of manufacturers, what does the agency's approach with its so-called voluntary guidance for medical device cybersecurity, how does that compare with the approach being taken in the EU? I believe it's similar. You know, the FDA at the core of any pre-market submission of a device is the concept of the QSR, and the QSR has a couple of quality system regulations. And at the core of the QSR, all software has to have a validation a risk and a risk assessment where appropriate. Part of that QSR obviously deals with cybersecurity vulnerability. The guidance documents that were released in 2014 and again in 2018 really take a risk-based approach to cybersecurity in medical devices. One of the things that they require or they suggest is that organizations adopt the NIST cybersecurity framework in order to manage risk and cybersecurity risk within the devices. So ultimately what the FDA is pushing for and really the only way in which to manage or regulate security across a broad industry is to take a risk-based approach based on a risk assessment and implement security controls that are reasonable and appropriate to protect the device and have ways in which to 
you know, monitor security and then patch and update as needed to respond to emerging risks, which is essentially what the NIST cybersecurity framework would do. So at the end of the day, really the FDA's approach has been to put most of the onus on the companies to create that risk-based approach and then implement designs that would protect the device. Now, how do the EU's cyber requirements for medical devices compare and contrast with what's expected by the FDA in the U.S.? Who's tougher? Is there sort of a minimum bar that's being set internationally for these manufacturers? There are similarities. That would be the best way in which we could put that. And I think the difficult element of this for manufacturers who are operating in global marketplaces is the very many sources of legislation and subsequent guidance which are applicable in this space. And taking that from the EU angle, these guidelines come on the back of a reform of medical device regulation law across the EU, some of which is still coming into force in phases both this year and in two years' time. And they also build on other legislative pieces applicable in the EU, such as the EU Cybersecurity Act, the General Data Protection Regulation, as well as the NIST Directive on Security of Network Information Systems, which came into effect in 2016. I think it's complicated in terms of taking a clear view as to which takes precedent, which applies. It's complicated in the sense that manufacturers who operate globally will have to have regard to all of the applicable cybersecurity legislation and frameworks which govern the industry. I think Kim got it exactly right. This is a complicated area with a spider web of regulations that are going to be applicable depending on how the device operates, the geography of where the device operates. You know, for example, in the United States, as we're moving more towards IoT devices, as digital health is starting to incorporate into medical devices, you know, things like HIPAA start to come into play, depending on how the device is being deployed. If it's a hospital environment that may take Medicaid money in certain circumstances, how, you know, the device may access data, where it can push data, all of that is going to be relevant. So there's never really one clear answer as to how you apply cybersecurity or privacy to a medical device. It really is sort of a fact and circumstance determination, cobbling together all the various laws that could apply to the device and to the deployment of the device and where the device is going to be deployed. So it really is something that you can't determine sort of based on a predetermined formula. It's something that you really have to look into the device and determine what laws, what regulations, and what security controls are applicable, not only based on the law, but also based on the likely contracting models. A lot of our base clients have adopted certain cybersecurity frameworks that are more prescriptive in controls than what you would get from a lot of the government regulations as well. So there's both a private and a public component to designing cybersecurity and devices. Now, Kim, what are some of the potential consequences for non-compliance with the EU's cybersecurity regulations for medical devices? As I said a moment ago, this guidance forms part of a new legislative regime in the EU around medical devices and their regulation. It also comes on the back of the very expanded scope of European privacy law, the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, which has now been in force for almost two years. The MDR regime, as I said before, is still coming into effect, so we don't yet know how that's going to be enforced. But what we have seen so far is a very significant amount of regulatory enforcement across the 28 EU member states, 
well, I can now say 27, as the UK left the European Union officially at the end of January. One of the trends in the enforcement action that the privacy regulators in the EU member states have focused on is cybersecurity, the technical and organisational measures piece, which GDPR has as one of its central tenets. There have been a number of high-profile cybersecurity breaches leading to losses of personal data in many industries. Obviously, one of the key consequences of the loss of data in the healthcare industry is that data is, in many times, very sensitive personal data, as it most likely includes health data. We've seen the privacy regulators across the EU use the full range of their enforcement powers, in particular the very high fines that GDPR um, allows for when exercising their powers of enforcement. And we have two cases, particularly in the UK, where the regulator has set what are previously unimaginably high fines um, against British Airways, where the fine is proposed of £183 million, and against Marriott Hotels for their data security breach of £99 million. And both those matters remain to be determined in, in full. They are absolutely indicative of the regulator's extensive powers to fine under GDPR, but also a willingness to exercise exercise those powers to the full. I think if you transpose that into a circumstance where a manufacturer has not complied with guidelines and the potential consequences in relation to lost data, it's a very obvious consequence that the regulators will use significant powers to punish these organisations. So Adam, with that said, what are some of the potential consequences for non-compliance with FDA's medical device cybersecurity guidance in the US FDA always sort of marks its guidance as saying voluntary guidance, but what are the consequences if you don't comply? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if there's a spider web of regulation, there's going to be a hornet's nest of exposure in the medical device space. And, you know, there's both FDA exposure as well as private market exposure in this area, the same as in the EU. From an FDA perspective, we're mostly talking pre-market submission here. So if the device is insecure from the cybersecurity framework, the FDA is never going to clear the device. So it, it really is a cost of doing business on the front end. If significant vulnerabilities are found, which, you know, there's more of a private market out there around security vulnerabilities in the device space, it could require reporting to both individuals as well as your customers. On the private side is really where, you know, you're going to start to see, you know, the major fines as well. Obviously, if a device is vulnerable and it's vulnerable to manipulation, there is a great deal of exposure on the patient harm side. If you can manipulate a device, if you can stop a device from working appropriately or manipulate it in a way so it isn't operating as intended, you know, there's a direct patient harm to individuals, which could result in class action lawsuits. If you're talking about a data loss situation, there is a myriad of laws, both state and federal, that would require you know, reporting to individuals. There's a potential for class action lawsuits based on, on various theories. There's a whole bunch of government agencies, both from a consumer protection perspective, from an FDA perspective, that can bring enforcement actions against you. So there's essentially an unlimited number of ways that cybersecurity can impact liability of devices. But, you know, from an FDA perspective, especially in the pre-market stage, you're really talking about not getting the device approved, not being able to deploy a device that you spent a lot of money in development or having to, you know, retrofit those devices in the future if significant vulnerabilities become apparent. And overall, do medical device makers 
face sort of a difficult balancing act. For instance, the guidance that was recently issued in the EU notes that cybersecurity measures can cause safety impacts. For instance, you want them to be secure so that not anyone can just enter, you know, or use a medical device, but you also don't want to make it so restrictive in terms of its security measures that a healthcare professional wouldn't be able to use that device in an emergency situation where time is of the essence with a patient. What sorts of risk analysis do these manufacturers need to take in order to balance the security and safety on both sides? That really depends on the device, right? Certain devices, medical device is a broad term. There are certain devices that are used only in a hospital setting where that critical access, you know, becomes important. And we never want cybersecurity to get in the way of providing, you know, needed patient care. So obviously there's going to be a balance that every device manufacturer makes as to, you know, the intended use of the device versus the security controls that are in place. One thing that we always talk about, especially in this increasing IoT world where devices are interconnected to a whole bunch of other systems, is, is that a good thing for a medical device? Does the ability to remotely access a device and be able to patch the device, does that outweigh the risk of harm of creating that additional attack vector that hackers or other individuals could use to manipulate the device? So I think every time that one of our clients, obviously safety is, is number one on the list of all of our clients. And Every time they start looking at a device in the intended uses, you have to apply security in a way that allows the device to perform as intended and, and do its job rather than have the most secure lockdown device that's out there that doesn't meet its intended purpose. So that balancing act is there. That's very much a product decision. You'll hear the term security by design a lot in the device world. And these are the sort of decisions that are being made when the product's being developed is how do we secure this product in the maximum way possible while the product is able to perform its function. You know, a product that takes 10 minutes to log into in a life-saving situation obviously won't be a very effective product. So obviously, yes, that is core to device development in today's world. And finally, Kim, when it comes to the guidance that was issued and the regulations that come into effect or begin to come into effect for cybersecurity in May 2020, are these all meant to address new products that are coming to the market or do manufacturers have to go back and sort of retrofit their products and make sure they also comply to these new regulations? In terms of the regulation, the legislation is going to apply going forward. I think it probably isn't absolutely the end of the answer there and particularly when it comes to the guidelines obviously for new products based the regulations and the guidance will need to be shown to be observed but I think for products already in development already on the market there is increasing pressure to get cybersecurity compliance right and I don't think any manufacturer can happily ignore the development of the guidance and the regulation around it and not be shown to be proactive in reviewing and considering enhanced cybersecurity legislative requirements and guidance in, uh, for the product over time. And Kim, one more question. In the U.S., the FDA has discretion on whether or not they'll approve a medical device to go into the market and perhaps is intensifying its look at the cybersecurity of products. Under the EU rules, can products be pulled off the market or not be able to be sold in the EU if they don't meet certain requirements at this point moving forward? 
I think much of the enforcement landscape and how the powers and the regulations will be exercised kind of remains to be seen, but there are broad discretions. And I think that our experience in terms of how privacy regulators, for example, have responded to new legislation in the EU and the use of those broad powers is probably illustrative of how going forward these kind of matters will be viewed. Um, it's very typical in EU legislation to include broad and discretionary powers for regulators to exercise. Then a pattern of enforcement builds up around the uh, regulations once they come into effect. What's also very common is that in the first enforcement actions after new regulations come into effect, we see quite a significant impact of the regulatory enforcement action. They want to make a statement, they want to show the extent of powers and they want to show that they're not scared to use them. And that's absolutely what we've seen under GDPR. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar pattern emerge here. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Adam. I've been speaking to attorneys Kim Roberts and Adam Solander. I'm Marianne Kobasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.